I want to thank everybody for coming out tonight. I know that uh, you come to worship the Lord and not to hear me or nothing to me, but it is an encouragement to see everybody that comes out to God's house. And I want to thank all of y'all for that are listening online and, and everything. And and uh, we would just appreciate your support in that way. And Hosea chapter 10 is where we're going tonight. While you're turning there, uh, <clears throat> how many of you, I want to ask a quick question. How many of you had a bumper crop of thistles this year? Amen. Amen. I had thistles. Me and my wife had went for a walk. I don't know if it's been two, three weeks ago. We went for a walk out on our farm, Brother Edge. And we went down around the spring and was looking at some of the places that we like to go. And I kind of said, well, let's walk down here to where I'd done some dozing here a while back. And I knocked some trees out, just thorn trees, thick, all in there. And I was so proud of myself. I got rid of all them thorn trees. I put them in a big pile. And I made it look so much better. And we walked in there. And I had the most beautiful crop of thistles growing up in there that you ever seen in your life. I mean, about as tall as I am, the prettiest little purple heads on them. Made me sick at my stomach. Just about made me want to puke them nasty things. You know, I'll tell you what, it don't take much for a thistle to pop up or a thorn or a thorn tree. And they just come right up out of the ground without even being told to. They just love it. And I've got a bumper crop of them at my farm. So if any of you need any, you come on over and I'll even help you pick them up. And we'll send them to your place. <clears throat> we get a little bit of wind, they may go to your place anyway. <clears throat> Amen. Now Hosea chapter 10 and verse number 12. The Bible says, Sow to yourself in righteousness, read in, <clears throat> reap in mercy, and break up your fallow ground, for it's time to seek the Lord till He come and rain righteousness upon you. In verse 13, ye have plowed wickedness, ye have reaped iniquity, ye have eaten the fruit of lies, because thou didst trust in thy way in the multitude of thy mighty men. Lord, help us tonight as we bring the message. God, I pray as we look at your word tonight, God, I just ask that you open our hearts and our minds, and God, I pray that you'll take me out of the way. Lord, help me to say what you'd have to be said tonight here, Lord. God, I ask that you'll just uh, be with us as we, as we come tonight to worship you, Lord, and to learn of you and your word. God, we need you in our presence tonight, Lord. We need you with us. There's nothing that we can do here tonight, Lord, without you will be any good. God, I'm nothing without you, Lord. I need, I need your help, God. I've got nothing to offer these people that come by, Lord, without you help me to preach tonight. God, I ask that you'll do that in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> now, I want to talk tonight just a little while on uh, two or three different things, but one thing is fallow ground. The Bible talks about in this verse that we just read in, in Hosea chapter 10, verse number 12, the Bible says that you need to break up your fallow ground. Now, how many of you know what fallow ground is? That's an old term. A lot of people haven't even heard it anymore. But, you know, in a crop time, what they would a lot of times do would, would plow up the ground, and then they might not put seed in that ground. They might let it sit there and just, just rest for a minute. And it maybe would let the nutrients come back up, just till it up and, and get the uh, organic matter broke down inside of there. And then they would just leave that ground to set fallow for a while. 
before they planted anything. Sometimes you would go and you would take a crop and uh, you, might, you might do some rotations, some crop rotations to where you plant in the spring crops there and then the next year you do a, fa- a fall crop and you let the ground rest a little while. But the Bible says here that we need to break up the fallow ground. And I think about our hearts, our souls, our minds in the spiritual realm of things. We have a lot of times in our lives we have fallow ground that we just leave it sitting there. God has come through with the plow and he's broke it up. And he's come in maybe through preaching or whatever that may be. God has maybe allowed vents come into your life and things happen that have, that have tore you up and that have wounded you and broke you up and prepared you to sit, receive the seed, the word of God. And then you just sit there and you become fallow. Sometimes that's a good thing. But many times when that ground becomes neglected, and it gets set there for a while. Those thistles start springing up. The weeds start multiplying out of those furrows. Nobody had to plant that ragweed out there. It just popped up out of the ground all by itself. Nobody had to go out there and plant them thistles on my farm. If they did plant thistles on my farm, I want to know who it is. And we're going to have us a talk. I'm going to tell you right now. That's a bad deal. But nobody had to plant those. They just come up on their own. We have those same weeds that just pop up in our lives every day. Every time that we sit fallow, we don't let God put the seed of His Word in our lives. We don't let that seed be applied to our hearts and we sit there fallow and then these sins and these weeds come popping up in amongst our lives and our souls and everything we do. The Bible says that we need to break up that fallow ground. I ask you tonight, what part of yourself has been left uncultivated? I want to talk to us on a couple different levels tonight. First of all, I want to talk to you, if you're not saved in here tonight, has God been preparing the ground, but you've not received the seed? And then secondly, I want to talk to us as Christian people, as God's people, that we have let this piece of land, this piece of ground in our hearts sit there and become fallow, the piece of ground that we're not willing to let God cultivate in our lives. And we've got that thing hid back in the back 40, and we don't want God to look at it. We don't want to walk through that piece of ground with God. There's something right there that we're saying, you know what, God, I'm giving you my front field here. We've got, we're going to plant some crops right here. We're going to do a little bit of service. I'm going to try to live for you, God. I, I got saved. I want, to, I want to do what's right, but this little piece back here in the back, let's just let it be. Let's just let it be right now. So I want us to be thinking tonight as we read some verses here shortly, what, kind, what part of, the, of your life, what piece of your ground in your life, in your soul, in your mind, in your heart are you not willing to let God cultivate tonight that you've let set fallow that long? <clears throat> the ground has become neglected, uncultivated. It gets hard. Without the good seed being sown, weeds begin to spring up and they multiply. They don't just come up one at a time and then die off. Weeds can multiply quicker than anything I've ever seen. You know, when we plant taters, a lot of times we get a pretty good crop of taters back out of them. But they don't just spring back up the next year. I don't just 
say, okay, I'm going to pull out five or six, five or six good taters. You know, every once in a while we might get a volunteer tater plant come back up in our garden where we missed one, but not very often. Now, weed, they'll spread. I mean, to tell you, just like sin and wildfire in your life, when them things get started in your life, it spreads from one thing to the next to the next. You'll have this one sin that'll just keep multiplying and multiplying and multiplying. The next thing you know, you've got a whole crop of it. You've got thistles standing head high, and everywhere you look, you've let that ground become fallow and become neglected. C.H. Spurgeon said, if you'll bring no crop to God, the devil will be sure to reap a harvest. In Jeremiah chapter 4 and verse number 3, For thus saith the Lord to the men of Judah and Jerusalem, Break up your fallow ground, and sow not among thorns. What kind of fallow ground have we in our lives? There's some times in our lives that we let things become uncultivated. There's a part of our life that we don't want to give to God Maybe it's our job. Maybe we're, we're bound by that money and we say, you know what, God, I'll serve you on Sunday. I'm going to even go out and knock doors for you on Saturday. I'm going to live for you, God, at the house. But I'm not going to say anything that might jeopardize my position with the company. I'm not going to do anything that might cost me to lose this job or this customer or this business because I need this money. And God, there's that little piece right there, that little parcel of land. Let's just let that stay fallow for right now. You know that I need to serve you. I know that I'm going to love you and I'm going to do what I need to do. But God, I got to feed my family. And let's just leave this little piece of our land, this little piece of ground, this little piece of our heart. Let's leave it uncultivated. God, let's just let the weeds aren't so bad right there right now. One of these days we'll cut them down, we'll burn them off or whatever we may need to do, and then we'll work on that piece. But right now, let's not mess with it. Maybe it's in our family or our marriage or our children that we're not willing to give that piece to God. We're not willing to let God take control of that part of our life. Maybe it's to the service of the Lord. Maybe it's given to God. Whatever it may be in your life, you know what it is tonight that you're not willing to give to God. In Mark chapter 4, if you'll turn with me there tonight, Mark chapter 4, the Bible says there, and starts in verse number 3, the parable of the sower. It says, Hearken, behold, there went out a sower to sow, And it came to pass, as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and the fowls of the air came, and they devoured it up. And some fell on stony ground, where it did not much earth. And immediately it sprang up, because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and yielded no fruit. And other fell on good ground and did yield fruit that it sprang up and increased and brought forth some thirty and some sixty and some a hundred. And he said unto them, He that hath ears to let him hear, hears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, they went, they, they that were about him 
with the twelve, asking this parable. And he said to them, Unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God, but unto them that are without these things done in parables, that seeing that may see not, seeing they may not see, that perceive it, hearing they may not hear, and not understand, lest at any time they should be converted, and their sins should be forgiven them. And he said unto them, Know ye not this parable? And how then will you know all parables? The sower soweth the word. And these are they by the wayside, the word was sown. But when they had heard, Satan cometh, and immediately had taken away the word that was sown in their hearts. And these that are likewise, that are sown in stony ground, who have, when they heard the word, immediately received it with gladness, and have no root in themselves, though it endure, but for a time afterward, when affliction or persecution arise for the word's sake, immediately they were offended. And these are they which were sown among thorns. Such hear the word, and the cares of the world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust thereof, the lust of other things entering in, choke the word, and it become unfruitful. And these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word, and receive it, and bring forth fruit, some thirty, and some sixty, and some a hundred. I want to look a little bit for just a minute about these thorns the Bible talks about in this parable. <clears throat> As we let these parcels of ground in our soul and our lives become neglected, verse number seven talks about where they sowed the, the, the seed was sown among the thorns, and then there in verse number twelve, it's again it says that the the thorns that the, <clears throat> in thirteen it says the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust thereof and other things entering in choke the word, and it become unfruitful. We let this fallow ground become uh, developed in our hearts, in our minds, in our lives. The weeds of cares of all come up and start covering the ground. Then the next thing you know, then you've got these thorns that start popping up. All these big old bushy, multiple rose bushes. How many of you have ever seen them? Oh, we love them, don't we, in this country? The greatest thing they was ever going to be. They're going to plant them in the fence rows and you won't even have to fix your fence no more. They'll stay right there. Oops. Guess what? They spread just like everything else. Went all over the country. The thistles and the thorns and the thorn trees. I've got a multitude of thorn trees on our farm. They got the nastiest looking stickers on them things. And I tell you what, I believe that they're poisonous as they can be. Because whenever one of them things gets stuck in me, whew, it's not just, a, not just a poke. Oh, it hurts. Swells up and they're nasty. Those things just spring up. They start becoming more and more plentiful everywhere you look. I'll tell you about our farm a little bit. When we bought that place, I seen that it had some terraces on it. Somebody had farmed that place at one time. You know what, Brother Josh? Somebody had put crops out in there. I can imagine seeing the corn growing up and the weed or different things. I talked to a neighbor of mine that said, yes, that farm used to be in my family. He said, used to. We, he said there was an old uh, a mill right there. He said, when I was a kid, he said, I grew up in that mill. I ran that mill all the time. 
He said, we put crops out there. He said, my family had this. My uncles had a place over here. My daddy had a place here. And we would bring everything together. And we said, I would run that mill and I would grind the corn and I would do all these things. He said, we put all them terraces in there, the hills and stuff that we have in this country. He said, to keep some of that soil from running off down in the creek down there. We're going to try to keep some of it up there on the hill where it belongs, where we can get a piece of corn to grow out of it. And I go to looking and I walk through my farm and now then I can see where the terraces was, but the, the cedar trees and the thorn trees are growed up around them so much that it's like, what, how in the world could anybody have ever had anything productive right here? I can see that at one time that this was cultivated ground. I can see that at one time somebody had put a plow in here. Somebody had put in some effort and they'd, they had come through this place and, and they had really tried to, to make it be a productive place. But it's become neglected. Now then there's a cedar patch and there's a thorn patch and there's a little bit of pasture here and a little bit of pasture there. But these things have grown up. I think about these thorns that grows up. As, I think about them as bitterness that spring up in our hearts and our minds. Oh, they poke everything that comes around them. Right, right. We let that bitterness take root and then the next thing you know it starts gouging everything that comes around. You don't even want to get close to it. Just stay back. I think about them old thistles that come up and how they just spread like gossip all through the place. I'll tell you what, the wind blows on them things, and I mean just scatter it all over the countryside. I think about these, these things that come up in our, in our lives, and they keep us from being fruitful. They keep us from serving God. All because we've, at one point, not broke up that fallow ground and let God's Word take hold and take seed. We let those thorns and those things stay rooted and grounded in our lives and they choke out the word of God they choke out we come to church on Sunday morning oh we we come to Sunday school and the seed gets scattered out in our lives and our hearts but we let them old thorns they're coming up and they're choking it out and God can't even hardly deal in your life because all you want to do is let them thorns alone What, what part of our lives are we left uncultivated? We need to break up some fallow ground. The next thing tonight, have you let the Lord walk through your soul? Have you let God walk through your life and your, and your mind and your heart and, and show you these things, these places that need to be worked on? Maybe you need to get a hold of God and you need to take a little walk like me and my wife did the other day. And walk out across your life and lead your soul and let God show you some of these weeds that are coming up. They've grown knee high already. Let God take a look on that back piece, that back 40 that you know that's that, oh, it's grown up pretty bad back there. We don't even want to mention it. That's not the place that we drive whenever we have people come over and show them our place. We don't go back there. We might go up here and look at the hay field and see how the grass is growing there or something like that. But we're not going back to that back piece. <clears throat> we need to take survey. Let God walk through the length and the breadth of our being. What is the condition of us? What is the condition of the places that you can't see from the road? 
that everybody else has a hard time seeing when they drive by. We've got some places back there, you know what, <clears throat> whenever I try to, you know, there, there's things up by the road that we want to try to keep that in pretty good condition. That fence, it's going to look all right. Yeah. We're going to put the good gate right there. Yeah. Come on, the other one, we're going to put it back there yeah. where people don't see it. We want to put those things back away from the, ro- from the road. <clears throat> what about those places back there, those little parcels in our lives that are hard to get to? You know, there's one little spot that last time there was a storm came through, washed out the biggest, awfulest mess you ever seen. And now then, I can't even hardly drive my truck back there to that place. It's hard to get to it. If I can't get to it, how am I going to go back there and work on it? How am I even going to go back there and look at it? I know it's a mess, and I don't even want to go back there and see it. Storms come through our lives, and these things tear up. Trees fall over. Different things happen in our lives and our, in, our, in, in, in our being. And, and God allows these storms to come. And then we just say, go, all right, throw our arms up, I'm done. I've had enough. We'll deal with something else, but I'm not dealing with that. How long has it been since you allowed the Lord to walk through the boundaries of your life and examine your ground? Have you become hard, baked, and calloused from the vexing of sin around you? You know when that ground gets all tilled up and plowed up, if it doesn't get cultivated properly as the sun beats down on it, that old rain comes a little bit. It settles, the rocks begin to come to the top. And that soil begins to get hard and baked on. Just like in our lives. When we don't allow God to cultivate His Word in our lives, we get hard to the preaching of God's Word. We get so hard that that seed wouldn't penetrate if you drilled it in. Because we can just sit there and say, don't even, let it just bounce off. That old hard ground gets trodden underfoot from the sin around you and it packs even tighter. The preaching of the word seems as like the Bible said about Lot, son-in-laws, that he seemed like one that mocked. It's just another sermon. It's just another preaching time. It's just another verse from the Bible. One time it'll be done. And we say to ourselves, you know what, right now, I don't care, but eventually... I'll let it soak in. Eventually, I'll listen to God's Word. I'll let God's seed be planted at one point. But right now, I'm just enjoying the beauty of those purple heads on my thistles. Don't they look good? All the ragweed that's covering everything here. I mean, it's green. At least it's green. I could even mow it. Make it look nice if I wanted to. And we let these weeds build up in our lives and we say, I'm just content to let that ground be furrowed. Not let God break it up. Once we get to take a survey and we do allow God maybe to walk through our lives and we show us our condition I know one thing I told my wife as we walked across our farm the other day. 
I said, you know, when we moved in here, I remember that some of these cedar trees were about knee high. Some of these thorn trees were just over there. They were just little. And now they're up here. All these thorns, these thistles, they came from where? And I said, how in the world does something like this even happen? How does this happen? How do we get in this condition? How do these things creep in on us? It's just been a short time. I know it was just last winter I was out there clearing that fence row. Now look at it. How does these things happen in our lives? Upon that examination of the condition, we may ask ourselves, well, I'll tell you how those things happen is by doing nothing. That's how it happens. You know what? I'm just going to tell on myself right now, the reason that I've got cedar trees that went from that big to that big is because I didn't go out there and cut them down or doze them over or pull them out or spray them or something. I did nothing. I guess I should have, you know what was I thinking? That they were just going to die like everything else whenever the sun popped up? That's not the way it works. You've got to make an effort in your life. You have to make an effort in your life. to. You can't just allow these things to keep growing and keep building in your life and say, God, take care of this thing for me. I need this to go away. What do you think would have happened if I'd have prayed for God to get rid of all the cedar trees on my farm? They're probably still going to be there. Not that God couldn't do it. I believe with all my being that He could. But I think, you know what, God told me if I'd have prayed that prayer, man, He'd have said, I'll give you a chainsaw, son. (laughs) What more do you need? You've got a job. You can go go make some money and get you some gasoline and you can go do these things. We have to work on these things in our life. We can't just, we can't just let the devil continue to let these things grow. We've got to go through and we've got to pluck that stuff out and build it up, dig it up by the roots. But a lot of times we'll see these things after neglect because we've been too busy elsewhere. Or we didn't see the need or the urgency at the time. So I'll get to it eventually. I'll get to these things eventually that God has shown me in my life, these sins in my life, and this need that I have to allow God to become Lord over this area of my life. Eventually I'll get to it. Right now I don't see the urgency. Or I'm too busy doing something else. Maybe even too busy trying to serve God in a different area of my life that I've neglected my home or my family or whatever that may be. The next thing that happens is discouragement sets in. Oh, that discouragement sets in. The devil, he loves it. I walk out there and I see thorn trees everywhere I look. I start getting poked and I start getting mad and I try to cut one down and the chain comes off my chainsaw and then I go to pull it on the rope and the rope breaks. I throw the thing down and that didn't help a bit. That's why I got two chainsaws. I go get the other chainsaw and we're really going to make things happen. And I don't know how, but somewhere there was a rock that just popped up out of nowhere and knocked three teeth off the chain of that thing. 
All I was trying to do was just clean up my life. Now I'm discouraged. I'm mad. How can these things happen? I'm glad that happens to all the rest of you. I'm pretty holy. That stuff don't bother me a bit. I can stand right here and lie with the best of them do. But now what? Where do we even start to break up this fallow ground? The first thing you've got to do is you've got to go in and you've got to start clearing it out. You've got to start getting rid of all those sprouts and thorns and trees and digging them up by the roots and throwing them off in the burn pile. Pile them up and get rid of them. God will help you get them out of there. Every once in a while, you've got to call in a little bit of help from somebody else. Yeah. Say, so, you know what? I've got some problems in my life. And you know what? I need somebody to help me and support me in this way. I might have to call up my dad and say, Dad, you know what? We're going to cut some brush. You want to come and help me? <laughs> dad came and helped me clear a fence row out here a while back. I was tickled to death. <laughs> we got all kinds of stuff done. Boys came out with me. We cleared out this piece of fence and we fixed and patched and of course then about a year later it needed done again. But <clears throat> we got to continue to stay on top of that stuff. You got to maintain it. Right. So the first thing, you got to get that stuff out of there. Then you got to start killing the weeds. You got to get them weeds off of there. That soil, you can go out there and start scattering seed, but when you've got weeds knee deep or waist high, the seed may not take hold because them weeds are going to choke it all out. Yeah. Whatever you have to do, you got to get God to give you some good spray through some prayer and through His Word that you can mix up in the old sprayer and go out there and start soaking them weeds down and killing them things off. You got to, if that don't work, and go out there and start pulling them one at a time like you would out of your garden. Get them things out of there. Get them weeds out of there. Then you got to start turning back up the ground. Let God work in your life. Whenever you come into the preaching and to the service, when God starts letting things happen in your life to disturb you a little bit, to wound you, the law will start ticking that old plow and it'll dig in deep. And it'll start turning over. And you know what's going to happen? It's going to show you where all that stuff came from. There's a reason why there was thorns that came up. There was a reason why you had bitterness underneath there. There was a reason why those weeds was popping up in your life. And it's because of something that's inside the soil. You know what? Whenever you go out and start turning over furrows, there's nothing. It's not like you're going to start having cornrows pop up just because you went out there and start plowing. There is no basic goodness already in there that we've just got to wait and set for it to grow. There's nothing but weeds and sin and death and and hell that's going to come out of our lives if we just let it sit there. You're not going to have taters coming up just because you went out there and built you a hill. There's nothing good in me. The Bible says there's nothing good in us. Let God plow up your field. Break up the clods of hard ground. Prepare you to receive the seed of the word. Carry out the stones of rebellion that's been planted down underneath the soil. Oh, some of them big old rocks, they get big. And there's some little bitty ones in there too. They're just as bad as the big ones. 
But them old rocks of rebellion that's been deep down underneath there, maybe they're just covered up with just a little bit of dirt. But whenever God comes in there and he starts bringing that plow in, the next thing you know, that old rock comes, boom, popping out on top of the ground. There's that big old rock, that big old stone of rebellion saying, oh God, I don't like that plow. I don't want you messing with me. I don't want you messing with that part of my life. Leave it alone. We're going to have to let God pick them old rocks up, them stones up out of our field, carry them things out and get them out of our life. Or you're not going to be able to be fruitful. The weeds and the thorn and the brush are only an outward manifestation of the fallow ground. That ground neglected, less to itself, will not produce basic goodness. It is cursed and can only produce evil, except it be sown in the righteousness of Christ. That's the only way. The next thing I want to look at tonight in our text in Hosea chapter 10, verse number 12, the Bible started out saying right there, sow to yourselves in righteousness and reap in mercy. Sow to yourselves in righteousness. So once that brown's been broken up, once you've allowed God to come back in there and break that old fallow ground up, now the time is to let God start letting His Word work on you. Let Him get <clears throat> the soil has been ready and prepared to receive the seed. As we read in <clears throat> Mark chapter 4, it's been prepared by God, sometimes through preaching, sometimes through God's law, just cutting a furrow in our lives. But we need to let God's seed be sowed and planted in our lives. Now, let's look at this real quick. You know, I'm talking about this seed. It can't just be. It's got to be God's seed. Amen. It's got to be God's seed. It can't be Grandpa's seed. Right. It can't be Mom and Daddy's seed yes. that they've had stored up waiting for you. It's got to be seed that comes from God. Not to say that what Grandpa or Mom and Dad maybe have are God's seed. But it's got to be God's seed coming to you from Him. God has got to deal in each and every life personally. We have a responsibility, a personal responsibility for that. It can't be the seeds of the church. It can't be seeds of politics. It can't be seeds of laws. You can't live good enough. You can't go out and start doing what's right and expect things to work out for you. You can't put on religion and expect that you're going to start popping up good crops just because you started reading your Bible or you just started quitting this and, and you're going to quit that and you're not going to do this and you're not going to go there. It can't be seeds of religion. It's got to be seeds from God. Examine the seed. Acts chapter 17, verse number 11 <clears throat> he says, search the scriptures daily whether those things were so. In John chapter 5 and verse number 39, it says, search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life and they are they which testify of me. In Galatians chapter 1 and verse number 8, but though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you that which we have preached, unto you. Let him be accursed. I don't care who it comes from. If it's not God's word, if it's not 
compatible with what God said in His Word. I don't care if I said it. I don't care if Grandpa said it. Grandma said it. Mom and Dad said it. If it's not God's Word, if it's not God's seed, it's not going to bring up good crops. It's not going to come up in your life and, and be multiplied and fruitful. Might as well just be scattering weeds. <clears throat> we need to sow the seeds of faith, first of all, in our lives. Faith in Jesus Christ and His shed blood alone. The finished work that He did on the cross. Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 1 says that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We need to have that faith, that substance sowed in our ground, in our heart, in our lives. The gospel is this, that Jesus Christ was the only begotten Son of God. He was sent to earth to be born of a virgin. He lived a perfect and sinless life as fully God and fully man. As in all points was tempted just like we were. The Bible says that he paid the penalty for our sins on the cross. In Romans chapter 6, verse 23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus Christ was buried, he was written, and then rose again the third day. And now is sitting on the right hand of the Father. That's the faith that we have to have. That's the Word of God. That is God's Word, the seed that God has given us. And you have to have faith in that. The Bible says that that faith is the substance of things hoped for. That we have a hope that we may be able to go to heaven someday when we die. That we may be able to spend eternity with God because of what Jesus done in our lives. That hope, there's a substance to that. There's a substance to that in the Word. That's something that we can hold. It's something that's tangible. You say it's a fairy tale. I've heard people say, well, you can believe what you want to. You know what? It's not just a, hey, I'm going to make up this story and it's, it's going to be something that it sounds good and it would be great. No, there is substance to that. There's proof to that. The Bible says it's evidence of things not seen. The Bible tells us there's evidence in that Word. There's evidence in history. There's evidence in my heart tonight that Jesus Christ has saved me. There's a proof. It's a true thing. So first we got to have faith. We got to sow faith on that seed's ground. The next thing that we need to sow is we need to sow the seeds of repentance. In Mark chapter 1 and verse number 15, it says the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. In Luke chapter 13 and verse number 3, I tell you nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Acts chapter 3 and verse 19, repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. 2 Peter 3, 9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Faith without repentance is only a dead seed. It can be good seed. It can come from God, that faith in God and that Jesus Christ. You can understand it. You can believe it. You can know it in your eye, in your mind. 
And you can say, oh, you know what? I believe God's word. I have faith that Jesus Christ died for me. I have faith that he, that he rose again on the third day. I believe all those things. But the Bible says that you've got to repent. Without repentance, you've got dead seeds. Your faith is nothing. It's no more than a different religion. You know, the people believe the guys that have talked to me and they've said, you know what? Yeah, I went forward as a child. That's what my mama wanted me to do. That's what the preacher wanted me to do. That's what the Bible says that you got to do. You got to go up there. And I went up and I checked the box and I got baptized and I got dunked and I've got a piece of paper that's proven that. But you know what? I've lived my entire rest of my life like hell itself because there's nothing inside of my heart. There was no repentance. And that faith was just some dead seed. The next thing we got to do is we've got to sow the seed of knowledge. Before you can ever have the faith, before you can ever have repentance, you've got to have a knowledge of your need for a Savior. You've got to have a knowledge that you've got something wrong with you. You've got sin in your life. <clears throat> you've got to know that you need a Savior. And the Bible says that in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 24, Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we may be justified by faith. Yeah. You understand what I just read there? The law was the schoolmaster. That gave us the knowledge to understand that we needed to repent so that that faith would be real. That we could be justified in that faith. Without the guilt, there's no reason for repentance. I can remember today, just as plain as if it had happened this morning, I drove through Springfield here a while back in a church in Springfield. Big sign out front says, we don't do guilt. Come as you are. We don't do guilt. I thought, Lord, help those people. Amen. You know what? Without the knowledge of their guilt, they have no need, no need for a Savior. There's no need for repentance. There's no need for that faith. Okay, I believe that Jesus Christ was the one that done all these things, but what do I need Him for? If I'm not guilty, if I'm not deserving of hell, then what good is it to me to have that knowledge? You've got to have that knowledge. The other part of that knowledge in the next verse, in Galatians chapter 3, verse 25, it says, but after that faith has come... We're no longer under a schoolmaster. Amen. You know, we're not under God's law. But once we've had that knowledge in our, in our lives, we have a knowledge of God's law. We're not under a schoolmaster that's sitting here saying, you need to do this and you've got to do that. You know what happens? You have that faith. You have that repentance. You, you genuinely want to turn from those sins and those things in your life. You want to pluck those weeds up. You want to dock those old trees and thorns down. You want to start being productive for God. You want to start 
plowing some ground up. You say, Lord, just work my old heart over. Give me some good seed that I can start bearing some fruit. Amen. God, I want to do this for you. I want to serve you. I want to, I want to get you back here. God, help me clean up this part of my life, God. Help me make this to where I can help somebody else. You want to continue to learn God's laws and God's truths. But we're not under that. As a schoolmaster coming to us, <clears throat> but we have, still need the knowledge of God. <clears throat> it don't mean that we have no more need of the law, but we know that the Word of God, and we, and we continue to sow the seeds of knowledge Amen. in our lives. Not to be saved, not to stay saved, not because... It's dependent on us to live right, but because of what He has done for us, we ought to love Him. In Hosea chapter 10 and verse number 12, it said to sow to yourselves in righteousness, and then it says to reap in mercy. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse number 7, For who maketh thee to differ from another? And what hast thou that thou didst not receive? Now if thou didst receive it, why dost thou glory as if thou hast not received it? In 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse number 7, it says, But God that giveth the increase. We need to reap in mercy. If God has plowed up your field, if God has sowed the seed of the word in your life and you're fixing to put on a crop it's time to reap you know what it's nothing to me it's all of him it's because of his mercy that he said you know what I can still use that old piece of ground oh it's a rough old piece of ground in Douglas County got rocks growing up all in it but I can clean them out. God says, you know what? I can move them things out of there. I can get some good seed growing in there. He may not put out a bumper crop like somebody out there in the old plains wherever they're planting that corn all the time and the soil's six foot deep where they ain't got a rock to hold you up nowhere. But I tell you what, he's still going to put out a little bit and I'm going to use him. Oh God, he says, you know what? We just reap it in mercy. God's mercy that he's given us. God's love for us. Even though I was worthless, I didn't worth a bit. You should have just been left to be fallow ground. Let the old trees and the deer go out there and sit in it. It ain't going to do no good for nobody. But God said, you know what? I've got a plan for that piece of ground. I've got a plan for that. And in my mercy, I'm going to make sure that it happens the way He wants us to do. We've got to give God the glory for all things. Next thing we want to look at tonight is that if there's a time to seek the Lord. First, we've got to seek sowing to ourselves in righteousness. We've got to reap in mercy. Break up the fallow ground, the Bible says, for it is time to seek the Lord till He come and rain righteousness upon you. Isaiah chapter 45 and verse number 8 says, Drop down ye heavens from above and let the skies pour down righteousness. Let the earth open and let them bring forth salvation and let righteousness spring up together. I, the Lord, have created it. It's time to seek the Lord. In Hosea chapter 10 and verse number 13 the Bible says that ye have plowed 
in wickedness, that ye have reaped iniquity. Ye have eaten the fruit of lies, because thou didst not trust, thou didst trust in thy way, in the multitude of thy mighty men. And I'm closing tonight, God's seed does not spring up on its own. It's not buried deep inside, proving that all man has a basic goodness to him. There's wickedness that we've plowed in our lives, each and every one of us. The Bible says that we've plowed in wickedness, that we've reaped in iniquity, and we've eaten the fruit of lies. And why, the Bible says, is because thou didst trust in thy way in the multitude of thy mighty men. We're trusting tonight in the multitude. A lot of times we follow what the world's doing because of the strength of the numbers. They can't all be wrong. Can they? Everybody else is doing it. They seem to be getting along Okay. What else is there to it? And we follow the mighty strength of the multitudes in our lives. Proverbs chapter 14, verse number 12 said, There's a way which seemeth right to a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Are you trusted in your own way? Right? So I've got to get this figured out my way. I want to do this my way. I understand the Bible. I understand God's seed. I understand all these things. But I've got to come to God the way I want to come to God. On my terms. I've got certain things that I want to lay out. We're going to, we're going to sit down and we're going to discuss this. And I say, God, I want to serve you and I want to do these things or, or I want you to save me from hell. But there's a part of my life that I'm going to hang on to. You can't have that. No. We're going to make us a deal here. And we want to come to God on our terms. We're trusting in our own way, in our own goodness, In our own religion. In our own acts. We think, you know what? Me and God's got, we've got got this figured out. I've had a man tell me, I've said it before many times. He said, you know what? I'm going to have to pick up some rocks when I get to heaven. I'm sure God's going to, I haven't done right. But me and God, we've got an understanding. I said, there ain't no rock piles in heaven. There ain't going to be no go pick up some rocks and then it'll be alright. We'll let you go sit down at the table. After you get three truckloads or after you make four piles, there's no, let's make a deal. You've got to come to God in His terms, in His way. God says that I am the way. In John chapter 14 and verse number 6, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father, 
but by me. I want to ask us tonight, have we eaten of the fruit of the lies? You know, I think about these fruit of the lies, I think about some of the fruit that springs up out of this old fallow ground. Oh yeah, there's some blackberries out there. There's some good things out there. There's some raspberries and different things. They've got their thorns on them. And they may be good to eat. But they're not the crops that God has for our lives. And we go out there and we eat of those fruits of those lies. In our hearts, you know, the devil says, here, let me produce this in your life. Let me bring this, let me bring you some financial security. Huh? Let me, if you'll just, if you'll just uh, go off this way, just a little bit. If you'll just follow the world in this situation in your life, I'll give you some fruit. I'll give you a little bit to nibble on. Just like dumping out some corn for the old hog being led to the slaughter. We eat of the fruit of our lives. In Philippians chapter 1 and verse number 11, it says, Being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. We don't need to eat of the fruit of the devil's lies. God has the fruit of righteousness that we're ready to be filled on if we'll just listen to him. Are you reaping iniquity? Galatians chapter 6 and verse number 8 says, For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit, to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Have you plowed in wickedness tonight? <clears throat> Job chapter 4 and verse number 8. That even as I have seen, they that plow iniquity and sow wickedness reap the same. Amen. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse number 10, down in there he says, He that ploweth should plow in hope, and he that thresheth in hope should be a partaker of his hope. Tonight we need to break up our fallow ground. And it's time to seek the Lord. Pray with me tonight. <clears throat> we close. God, I just ask that you'll bless this preaching of your word tonight. God, I ask, Lord, that you'll walk through the fields and the pastures and the parcels of our hearts and the hidden parts of our souls. God, I ask that you'll point out the fallow ground, Lord, in our lives. Lord, I ask God that you'll clear it and that you'll prepare it for the sowing of seed of the righteousness, God, that can come from you. Lord, that we may reap in mercy the fruits of the Spirit. Lord God, I just ask God that you'll help to apply this to our hearts, Lord, in our lives tonight. Lord, I just thank you for your mercy to us. I thank you, God, for your long-suffering. Lord, as I get discouraged, and sometimes I get to where I just want to give up. I don't want to mess with it no more. 
Lord God, you give me some rest. Amen. You say, well, let's go again. Amen. Lord, I just thank you for your mercy and your goodness to us. Lord, I just pray tonight, Lord, that if this message has done anybody any good besides myself, Lord, that you'll get all the glory and the praise for it, God. And I just thank you, Lord, for showing us yourself from your word. In Jesus' name, amen.